Let's go wrap with Chris Ballas with the Wolverine.com, the Michigan Insider. Chris, is it just a circus uh, since really the the first half of TCU? It's just been borderline, uh, almost like it's a sitcom or Netflix series. It's like last year, frankly. And what happened last year was Jim Harbaugh said his goodbyes. Everything we were told you was true. He said his goodbyes. He thought for sure that he had that job locked up and went up there with the intention of signing an art, uh, an, a, a contract with the Minnesota Vikings and went up there and, as the Athletic reported, what we first reported and what the Athletic reported yesterday was he did not do well in the interview. And at some point in that interview, Minnesota's like, we aren't going to hire him, so we're going to go in a different direction. Now, uh, at this point, how much NFL interest is there really? Uh, we see the report that Denver is, yes, uh, has talked to Jim Harbaugh for two hours. We still don't think he's the leading candidate, even though there was a report out there that he is one of the leading candidates. It sounds like it's still going to be Sean Payton, and I don't think they can interview him until the 17th. But it certainly seems to me that Jim Harbaugh has an NFL itch, and we've talked to people close to him who said that last year. They're saying the same thing this year, that he still has that NFL itch that he wants to scratch, and I understand that. The problem is is it's kind of holding the program hostage here, Bill, as you said, and the recruiting class this year was not what it should have been coming off back-to-back Big Ten championships. And you're going to have that uncertainty for 2024. You can get away with one, especially when you when you actually supplement it with some outstanding kids from the transfer portal, but you can't really get away with two. You need your playmakers like the Blake Corums and the Donovan Edwards and the J.J. McCarthy's, and you're not going to get them if you keep doing this every year. So uh, at some point, there's got to be a come-to-Jesus moment between – the administration and Jim Harbaugh and say, what's going on here and what can we do to make this go away? And I think they've been trying to do that. So lots of uh, moving parts here, but certainly never a dull moment at the Wolverine.com. I can promise you that. I mentioned before I came to you, Chris and Chris Ballas from the Wolverine.com joining us. You can follow everything Harbaugh, Michigan off season, Michigan hoops and more at the Wolverine.com that for Blake Corum to say, Hey, I'm ready to run it back. Don't you think he would talk to Harbaugh first before he announced that? He did talk to Harbaugh, and he actually went on the Rich Eisen show and said, I did not tell him, uh, he did not tell me what he was doing. He said, uh, I didn't really ask. I think, I'm sure they probably talked about it, and I think Jim Harbaugh's saying the same thing, that he's planning on being back at Michigan, but he always leaves that door open, right? No man knows the future and everything else, and always leaves that door open. I expect to be back at Michigan, and everybody was like, oh, there it is, he's staying. I'm like, that doesn't mean squat. It means that he expects to be back, but... If he gets a great offer, you know, or if Michigan doesn't show him the love, and I think they are. I think President Santa Ono is an absolute rock star. I've talked to people about him. Uh, you wouldn't believe how involved he is and how much he cares about Michigan Intercollegiate Athletics. He actually told some one of my good friends about that, that same thing today. And um, this guy is uh, committed to making it happen. And, and you need to keep your Hall of Fame coaches, Bill. You and I have talked about this, and, and I understand there's only so much you can do, but – if you got those guys and you've got something special, then you need to do everything in your power to keep it. I think he understands that as much as anybody. So hopefully they're working to that end, Bill. But at the same time, if Jim Harbaugh's heart isn't in it, it's not about the now. They're going to have a great team next year, too. We know that. They're going to have one of the top four teams in terms of odds to win a national championship. It's about the future. It's about keeping this thing going and keeping the program going and what's going to happen in two and three years, not just the immediate future. I go back to February, I think it's 5th, 2022. I think Jeff Seidel, a Detroit Free Press, 
uh, story, a quote from Harbaugh after the uh, Vikings job fell through. This is Harbaugh's words. I called Ward and I asked him if he wanted me to be the head coach. And he said, yes, 100%. And I said, okay, then that's what I want to do. And I told him, Ward, this will not be a recurring theme every year. This was a one-time thing. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> so, and guys Oh, right thank you. Thank you, mind. Inspector Ballas. <laughs> <laughs> and guys have the right to change your mind. You know, John Beeline, as I've said many times, one of the most honest men I know, you know what, it was, uh, you know what, he was done with it until he changed his mind and decided he wasn't. And, and I don't begrudge him that. He said, hey, you know, here's an opportunity right here. I can drive. It's halfway between my kids in New York and my home in Ann Arbor, and I can give it a shot, and they're wanting me to do it. So I think he changed his mind back and decided, hey, especially with the way that his season ended where he lost a couple guys. He was on the recruiting trail for 30 days in a row and on planes, and he said, you know, it was too much. He'd just been coming off the heart surgery. So guys have the right to change their minds, and if you look at the changing landscape of college football and what's going on with NIL and what head coaches have to do these days, they're all fed up. I can promise you Ryan Day's fed up. I can tell you, you know, maybe not a Kirby Smart, you know, who's getting guys delivered to him, you know, via Amazon or whatever, you know, and that's been going on at, at Alabama and Georgia forever, so they don't have to quite work as hard no matter what anybody says. That's just the way it works. It's getting tougher and tougher. If I had a choice to be a an NBA or an NFL head coach compared to what these guys are dealing with today, I think there's no question what I would do. So, uh, I don't begrudge him that. The problem is right now it's hurting the program a little bit. So is Michigan going to have some tough decisions to make? And I do think that Blake Corum's decision was independent, and he actually said that, of what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. And I think it's because they believe that if it's not Jim Harbaugh, it'll probably be somebody like Sharon Moore. That's what we're hearing inside the building is if Jim Harbaugh does decide to leave, these kids will be all behind Sharon Moore, Michigan's offensive line coach and offensive coordinator, to replace him, and they'd be just fine with that. Yeah, and also I talked about this last Friday that the players have stronger connections to assistants than they do to the head coach. Most players do at big D1 programs. They do, and they do love Jim Harbaugh, and you can sense it. You can sense it in the post-game interviews and how they talk, and after the Ohio State game, we saw it, you know, a lot of uh, lovey-dovey stuff there. And after the uh, TCU game as well, uh, or after the Big after the Big Ten championship game, um, they said, hey, we love our coach, and you could sense it. But at the same time, uh, as Bo Schembecker once said, no man is bigger than the program, no coach is bigger than the program. So he's going to have to make a decision and say, hey, you know what, if this doesn't work out for me, uh, do I want to be here, and can I sign this long-term deal with a huge buyout to uh, ensure that this doesn't happen again? Because I think that's going to be part of this. If I were the Michigan administration, I would say this is what we need. We need to make sure that uh, we have a huge buyout for you and so that we aren't going through this every year. Otherwise, it's just going to hurt the program. It is a clown show between Harbaugh and Aaron Rodgers after every season. Really, the last three, four years, it's like, stop it. Just to either, and I, I get it. He has a right to do what he wants to. And the Broncos could be playing him without without an actual flying or, you know, Walton jet in there uh, to bring him in that they're waiting for Peyton uh, to be able to yep. interview. And if he decides he doesn't want it, Harbaugh's a fallback. So, they going to let this linger for a couple of weeks without Harbaugh just saying, yeah, thank you, Broncos. I have no interest. I'm staying at Michigan. 
I mean, I, I'm looking at there's not massive defections, right? More, more of guys expected. You know, if Schoonmaker, Mozzie Smith, Morris, what I've read, these are guys that probably were going even if Harbaugh announced right after the game he was staying, right? Exactly, 100%. DJ Turner is a guy, though, that might have, you know what, um, might have come back. And, and uh, let's be honest, too, these kids want to get paid. Guys like Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards is thrilled that Blake Corum is coming back, but I can promise you he's looking at guys like Andrew Anthony that are leaving and saying, wait a minute, this kid's going to get like a quarter million dollars to go somewhere else when he's played, you know, caught 10 balls last year, and, and here I am as a huge part of this program, and, and I'm not going to get that here. So uh, they've got some work to do in that area, too, and that's another part of this coaching thing. You know, you've got, that's, that's another thing that you have to be involved in is dealing with collectives and making sure that these kids are taken care of with NIL opportunities. And, again, there are some things in the works that are coming down the pike here that are going to be uh, very very good and very lucrative, lucrative opportunities for Michigan student-athletes. But it's just one more thing you have to worry about. So, you know what, I can't fault Jim Harbaugh, but at the same time, as I've said, man, uh, you know what? And and to, and to be fair, Bill, it's been really just these last two years. It hasn't been the two years prior. It's just been these last two years. Jim Harbaugh, when all these other rumors were starting, he put them to bed and he said, you know, it's jive turkeys or whatever. And he came out and flat out said, I'm staying. But what he said last year was after seven years, he said, I told them I would give them seven years. I honored that. And, and I have that NFL itch. And and it is hard for that thing to go away unless you scratch it, Bill. Well, yeah, it would be the last two years of, uh, yep. you know, openly talking about the NFL. Yep. The previous year was the drama on taking so long for the contract, which right. Michigan was maybe behind closed doors thinking if they wanted to continue with hardball, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, and I think that Ward Manuel went to bat for him. But uh, at the same time, Jim Harbaugh, you know, viewed as a, as a slap in the face. And here's the thing. Now that we see, you know, what the COVID year was, you know what, it was a write-off, as everybody said it was. And, you know, you're two and four. They weren't practicing half the time. Yeah, half the time, some guys were, some guys weren't. You had opt-outs and everything else. It was a mess. It was almost like an exhibition season. So uh, I give Ward Manuel credit for not really holding that against him. At the same time, Jim Harbaugh's thinking, well, that's a throwaway year. I'm still one of the best coaches in football. You look where the program is compared to where when I took over. And uh, and to cut my salary in half, I can promise you that didn't sit well. You know, we've talked to enough people um, to know that that's a fact. So uh, we're not saying that there's some kind of a great relationship between Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh either. So, uh, but these are all things that you know what, if if it were 30 years ago and it was just newspapers, we wouldn't know any of this, and we wouldn't even be talking about this. But every little piece of information is disseminated now, and we have to comment on it and. And we go on your show and tell you what's going on behind closed doors. And every day seems to be an adventure. And it's like we said, it's like a carnival. But you know what? Uh, these things tend to play out. And like you said, last year we were having the same conversation. And what happened? Jim Harbaugh came back. They win their second straight. They were going out on Columbus for the first time. So if this is resolved in the next week or two and it doesn't hurt recruiting too much, then you move on and you say, okay. Just another uh, another year in the in the life of the Jim Harbaugh saga, and I think he has some angst and anxiety in the media with fans that you yep. watch TCU's defense. You look at what they've given up in the last six quarters of the college football playoff. I think it's over a hundred or right close, uh, yeah, over a hundred uh, that they've given up. And you're wondering if Michigan just has a decent first half. They're in the 50s, if not 60s, against TCU yeah. with an easy win. And you looked at Ohio State where Georgia needed a miss by the Buckeyes to move on. 
And that that would have been a better game. I get Georgia has athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. but you know, and Stetson Bennett running for two touchdowns early, and I'm thinking, yeah, JJ McCarthy with better wheels than him, and you didn't do design runs until the third quarter, and you're on yeah. the goal line twice, and how do you not have JJ keep it and tell him to just go sprint to the corner? I, I again, I, you know, what what that TCU game was, and it came to life watching them just get drubbed last night, and that's where I think all this angst and. Uh, this back and forth, and then hardball mixed in doesn't help that, right? It just more more gasoline on the fire. That Michigan season was about not showing their playbook or kind of, you know, not full throttle in the first half or halves, plural, and then they would turn it on the second half, in which they did against TCU, but the problem was uh, it was the college football semifinal, and you got down and you had mistakes, and J.J. didn't look comfortable. Your play calling, the bubble screen, fullbacks coming in as you know goal line running backs. I mean, my God, just I look at Georgia. I look at Kirby Smart. He, he put that, uh, what TCU did all year with Duggan, uh, he did it with Stetson Bennett last night. And, and they should have done that with J.J. running more if he wasn't comfortable passing, right? Yeah, they should have. And, uh, you know, here's the thing, though. They had 45 points, and you had uh, two two times inside the two-yard line, including oh. one first down, where say, say you kick the field goal on the first one. You should have 10 more points. So you're looking at 55 points. So we can blame the offense all we want to. I'm going to look at that crappy defensive performance more than anything and and the fact that J.J. McCarthy threw two pick sixes. You are not going to win a football game against a solid football team if you throw two pick sixes. Mm. So um, that's the disappointment to me. I think they were in, went in there overconfident. Uh, there was no question. I was looking at Georgia's offensive line again, and no disrespect to Michigan's Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. Georgia had a better offensive line in the last two years than Michigan did. I see five guys out there moving guys like Michigan's best Olu Oluwatimi did and built like him. And I'm thinking, man, uh, would it have been a repeat of last year? Would Michigan have been within two, three scores of this team? I think Ohio State's a better matchup for them because they had an elite thrower and they had elite receivers that could move the ball. And that that's how you move the ball in Georgia. We saw LSU have success through the year against uh, against Georgia. They just couldn't stop them. So, and so I think that's a better matchup for Ohio State than it is for Michigan. That's what it's all about. You can't play the, the, the transitive property game. Well, TCU lost 65-7, to so Michigan should have done this and this and that because we saw what Michigan did to Ohio State. We've seen different games this year where Ohio State struggled with a team. Maryland, for example. Uh, you know what? And in the past, you just can't do it. It doesn't work that way. It's about matchups. I don't think Georgia was a great matchup for Michigan because they don't have the elite receivers to exploit the secondary, which was a little bit weaker. And I don't know if they would have been able to run the ball on Georgia. So, and certainly that defense, if they couldn't hold up against TCU, and let's be honest, TCU did better in the trenches than we expected them to against Michigan. Uh, Michigan would have had, had trouble with Georgia in the trenches again. Those guys are they're five stars. They are they are great athletes in the trenches. And that's where the difference is half the time. So regardless, you wanted to take that next step, Bill, and get to that championship game, win or lose, then you can say you took one more step towards it. But I'll also say this, back-to-back top three AP finishes for the first time since, what, the point-a-minute teams in the early 1900s, you're not going to be hearing me complain too much about that. And with all the complaining, the back and forth, the hardball watch, uh, watching TCU, thinking about what happened in that first half in the desert, and I agree with you. The defense didn't step up in the second half when Michigan's offense came alive against TCU. Nope. That's a great point. But with everything being discussed on this show, uh, 
at thewolverine.com, on your message boards, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Uh, Michigan, way too early ESPN top 25 college football poll. Georgia one, Michigan two, Ohio State three, Alabama four. Yep, and that's about probably how it should be, right? Yeah. There you go, right? I mean, for yeah. all this, yeah, that's why the hardball thing for a team that should, you know, you're hoping with experience and JJ learns, and we said that last year after Georgia. That's why they went to JJ instead of Cade because they wanted to go that next level. Is that you hope uh, a there's not major injuries. But that Harbaugh would see this and say, okay, I'll entertain the NFL next year because the only job that I think you could be a playoff team in next year would be with Russell Wilson in the right situation in Denver. It's not going to happen with Carolina. It's not going to happen with Indy. Arizona possibly, but you don't know Kyler Murray's knee. If he tore his ACL, does he lose his speed? But, you know, gosh, look at Michigan. Preseason number two, way too early, top 25, 2000 and. 23 college football poll, and there's Ohio State losing a quarterback and going to lose Marvin Harrison Jr., and they're still yep. number three, but that tells you about the depth they have with their four and five stars. They do. Uh, they always reload, and they're going to be very good, and they're going to come in here. Michigan will be favored this year, so <laughs> it's going to be a different dynamic, right? Michigan went down there as an underdog. Michigan was an underdog two years ago, so uh, and, and there's no question, especially with the transfer portal, you know, for all we know, all of a sudden, somebody's going to come out of nowhere, you know, and look at Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. You know what? You're going to plug somebody in, and it's going to be, you know what? You're going to all, all of a sudden have your quarterback. That's just the way it is. It's like free agency now. So, but they've got so many pieces coming back. I do think Trevor Keegan's coming back on the offensive line. I think Zach Zinter is very seriously thinking about it. So, it sounds like Jermon Green, who was going to go, um, the cornerback, now that DJ Turner has left, he'll probably get some money in an NIL deal and come back. So, they're going to have Will Johnson and Jamon Green. It uh, should be an excellent secondary with Mike Sainer still back there again and a couple of safeties who have played a ton of football. So they are ready to make another run. I don't think there's any question about it. Pointing to that Penn State game next year is the big one on the road because they look pretty good. they got some pieces coming back too. But Michigan will be the favorite to win the Big Ten next year. It's crazy. Uh, and again, you're Harbaugh. I, I don't think he has a couple of weeks to let this fester. I know – he has every right to look, but you know, you just need to kind of move on and, and figure it out. And but you know, Denver's you know reportedly fifteen twenty million a year. He's going to listen, and maybe this gets another team to you know throw the kitchen sink at him. You know, whether it's Indy or Carolina, I think Wilkes could end up keeping no. that job. I mean, I the Arizona thing is interesting to a point, but Harbaugh doesn't seem like a fit there. So uh, keep us posted. I'll. Uh, keep checking in at thewolverine.com, Chris. I will, and I will say this. Carolina is not going to be an option for him. Indy might be, per se, the owner. Uh, would probably have to intervene there and say, this isn't the guy I want, uh, which is certainly possible being given the history there. But I think it's really Indy might be even more likely than Denver at this point, but those are the two I would watch right now. Hardball Watch presented by Chris Ballas and the team from thewolverine.com. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. All you right. Bet. Take care, brother.